Hello there, friends, and welcome to Down the Yellow Brick Pod, your enchanted passport and sometimes twister over the rainbow and down a yellow brick rabbit hole as we pull back the curtain on American culture's most visited fairyland. We are your co-hosts, Tara and MK, your good trouble witches of the concrete jungle, here to preserve the rustic emeralds of yesteryear and reimagine an Oz for today and future generations. This season, our third, we return to Baum and the turn of the 20th century, finishing up our remaining 13 books in the original Oz series penned by first royal historian of Oz himself, L. Frank Baum, and published between 1904 and 1920 posthumously. And then we return to Oz, taking up residency in Disney's dark, disturbing, and kind of delayed fantasy sequel of the kinder trauma age, scarring viewers since 1985, a near 50 years after the MGM release. Wheelers and shock therapy and screaming heads. Oh my, we are in for a wild ride. Buckle up, babies. Off the pod, feel free to visit our Insta at Down the Yellow Brick Pod for an accompanying Technicolor scrapbook, as well as our Patreon Pod Squad, where we continue the escapism and entertainment with bonus content from Tiny Oz Concerts, think coffee shop style covers and mashups of Aussie tunes, our Yellow Brick Vlogs, exclusive episodes, monthly parties with occasional special guest drop-ins and giveaways, and more behind-the-scenes shenanigans. As a community-funded podcast, our Patreons are truly our backbone, our people. So consider joining our pod squad today. It would make our day. Now, may the world of Oz continue to be a bewitching escape in bewildering years, nostalgic and nuanced, and a magical refuge where two gals in New York City can cross yellow brick roads with wonders like you. Hey, M, to Oz? To Oz! Henry is an illustrator, costume designer, and Oz historian, specializing in all things related to the original Broadway production of The Wiz. His love of Oz spans decades, in part due to his grandmother being named for Dorothy Gale in Baum's original novel. He currently has several Oz-related projects under wraps, which are worth keeping an eye out for. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Down the YBP. I'm waving at two friends through the screens. We, of course, have MK here in her Rose Apothecary representing Schitt's Creek (laughs) shirt. I love to just tell people what everyone's wearing whenever I introduce. (laughs) The fashion. Yes, the fashion matters, especially since we're meeting the Gnome King today. And fashion for him for certainly matters. Important. Mm. <laughs> for certainly. That's a new phrase. We also have our friend Henry with us today. This is very, Woo! very exciting. Henry, thank you for being here with us in some tie-dye that is giving us Eveline vibes. And we can't see them, but Henry showed us some amazing silver slippers. They're gorgeous. Thank you for dressing <laughs> for you. the occasion. Yeah. <laughs> of course. He I understood would. the assignment. <laughs> Always. If Oz is involved. <laughs> Gotta dress. 
Got to dress. Well, friends, it's good to be here today. And let's just give a little quick recap of where we were. So we just came out of probably one of the most iconic scenes in the movie. I'm going to read, we have been using this MTV article that's just so funny on like 30 moments of nightmare fuel about Return to Oz. Just a quick <laughs> recap through the lens of MTV. Um, where we just left you off was 15 minutes of nonstop nightmare fuel, starting when Mombi puts on a head that looks like me and Elizabeth Taylor, which Wow, it really does look like me and Elizabeth Taylor. That's a really good connection there for MTV. And then imprisons Dorothy in a room with Jack Pumpkinhead, forcing Dorothy to break out and steal the powder of life from Mombi's original head. At which point Mombi's headless body wakes up and starts chasing them, while all the disembodied heads in their cases just scream and scream and scream. <laughs> and are you ready to stop, stop screaming? Too bad. Here's the gump. But all of this is just a lead up to their meeting with the actual villain, which is where we're headed right now. So just a quick recap there. And now to get us into this world of this scene, I have some questions for you, my friends. First, this is off topic, but we have to acknowledge. I want to know your thoughts on this announced recently remake of Wizard of Oz, which is very exciting. Just in case you don't know, friends, I'm sure you do, because this episode is coming out a couple weeks after this news has dropped. <laughs> the Blackish creator, Kenya Barris, is going to direct a Wizard of Oz remake with Warner Brothers, which is pretty crazy and awesome to just get this news dropped recently. Um, and it's saying the word remake, which is very an interesting choice that I think triggers a lot of <laughs> different emotions in the Wizard mm -hmm. of Oz community. And just want to make sure we say this is completely separate from New Line's previously announced retelling of the Wizard of Oz that is going to be helmed by Nicole Castle of Watchmen. Um, this is different. It's going to be a fresh take on Dorothy and the Land of Oz. But they're saying in variety, they say that Barris's vision has been kept under wraps but there's two oz productions happening at once and this is all with the two-part wicked movie so this is pretty nuts okay first question for y'all is thoughts on this remake where are you where is it landing for you are you excited are you cringing or like what's happening tell us that and then this is going to be a fun game for us i want you to look around the room and listeners you can do this too look around the room that you are currently in some of us are in our childhood home aka tara tagliaferro some of us <laughs> are in our a normal apartment in new york city aka mk and some of us are dog sitting is that correct henry that is correct. Yeah, out in the I'm country, fifteen-year-old okay. dog, a fifteen-year-old, oh, an an yes. elder, a dog elder. Yeah. Some of us are dog <laughs> sitting out in the country. Amazing. So, what you're going to do, friends, is you're going to look around the room that you're currently in and decide what you would use to make your own version of a gump. Okay, that's <laughs> what you're going to do, and you're going to tell me what your gump would look like based off of stuff in the room that you are currently. In. Okay. Oh, it's a two part question. I know I'm asking you something that's off topic from Return to Oz, but listen, we got to acknowledge what is hot in the community. Okay. And then we'll get back <laughs> to creating our own gumps. So let's start with the first question. Who wants to share their percolating thoughts on this remake? I'm excited. I mean, I Same. was very surprised that there are now <laughs> random. two random. I, I mean, random. I learned I learned the news from the down the YVP Instagram. <laughs> That's right, baby. That's where I get my news. How meta. Um, and I, I know. It's the most meta. And I was like, wait, what? That seems very, very surprising. But it's also something we've been saying with the Wicked movie coming up. Like, I feel like there's going to be an explosion with Oz properties. So 
I'm here mm-hmm. for it. I love Kenya Barris. I love Blackish. I me too. Love, love Black-ish. everything he does. So I I'm totally here for it. And I feel like we don't have any details from Kenya's version just yet. So I'm just trying to keep an open mind, but I'm totally here for it. You know who's not keeping an open mind? The internet. <laughs> really? <laughs> the internet is like, I mean, does it ever? The internet is all over the place. I've been seeing everything. But I think a lot of people in the Oz community are like, this is good for the Oz community. Remakes yeah. are good. That means it stays alive. Mm-hmm. And also, there are things that the MGM version did not nail. Like, yeah. we can't just put it as like this precious, untouchable property. Like, there are things that can be explored. Henry, yeah. what are you feeling? Agreed. You know, my thoughts to any new Oz film adaptations, it changes on the daily. Today, I'm excited. Today, I'm thrilled. <laughs> um, I think the only reason I have, you know, trepidation is because I want to be a part of it. I want to be <laughs> in the room. I want to be working on it, too. So, you know, the thought of not being a part of it makes me kind of sad. But Heard, um, understood. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's really I think it's exciting that we have two film adaptations totally separate. Plus, I don't know if you guys remember, um, a few years ago, an animated film was announced from Toto's point yep. of view. Right. And oh. that's still in the works too. Yes. Plus so the two part wicked film, plus mm-hmm. some secret things that I can't tell you guys about, but Ooh. I'm really excited to tell you about. Suspense. Um, Henry, how dare yeah, I mean, you there's... just pulled my favorite <laughs> thing on Instagram when someone's like, yeah. I'm on the set of something I can't tell you. About. <laughs> I'm on a on a secret a top secret, secret set. But... <laughs> I love it, and I love the shimmy that accompanies yeah. it. <laughs> I know. Yeah, honestly, in like a year or two, it's going to be so thrilling for the Oz community. Like with yeah. all of these yeah. things coming out, and just you know, an Oz Renaissance, and it sort of follows the pattern of like you know, every decade mm-hmm. or so, we get a boom of, of yeah. Oz and you know is that a prequel or a retelling or a sequel or what have you um but yeah I, I think it's a good thing and people are afraid because the word remake is used but yeah. that word is just thrown around because you know that it, it's so uh ubiquitous with Hollywood these days you know stories are being retold but that's not necessarily the same thing as a remake so I think right. people get up in arms because they're like, you know, we don't want you singing over the rainbow and doing your Judy Garland, you know, impression. She's untouchable. Right. And that's not what it's going to be. I, I think it's totally a good thing that we're getting more Oz. I mean, it's, it's never a bad thing. No, I, I agree. Like Agreed. it's never a bad thing. I'm, I'm really excited. I mean, it's a tricky thing definitely to navigate. I think like there was a time period. I don't think we're in it anymore. Where like remakes meant like, I don't know, like sounding like a high school musical version of something, which I don't think that's like what anyone wants. Like no one wants to hear Somewhere Over the Rainbow auto-tuned. Like I think that's mm-hmm. like what we're like all like a little cringy, maybe afraid of, of happening. Like the beauty and I'm, I'm sorry to say this, but like Disney's Beauty and the Beast. We saw so, Beauty and so. the Beast and never looked back. <laughs> Yeah, like yeah. it's like those kind of Disney films like really did the auto tune like too much. Yeah. For, I think that's what people get afraid of when the word remake maybe gets sad. It's like, oh God, is it going to be like this like now contemporary sounding thing of the score that is so iconic? I understand those fears. I don't, but we don't know if they're even going to be using the original score. It's very interesting that they've chosen the word remake to put out into the press. Yeah. But 
as our friend Ryan Jay has said, he's like, remake is a buzzword. Remake gets attention. So who mm-hmm. even knows if it actually is a remake, if they're just going to go off and do their own score things. So I'm just excited to keep eyes on this project. And yeah, especially like the boom it's going to have in the community. Yeah, I feel like Absolutely. those words, I mean, I'm even reading a Variety article and they yeah. use the word remake as well as reimagining, like in the same sentence. So I feel like they're just throwing these words out there. You know what I mean? Right, right. We can't, yeah. I think, hold them to their word right. too, too much. No. I also feel like they might be trying to sort of cover their tracks a bit by using both terms because maybe yeah. they're going to want to uh, bring in the ruby slippers or a green-skinned witch, but then leave the rest of MGM behind. So they might want to like pick and choose. So they're saying remake because they're going to bring some of those classic MGM-isms into the film. I don't know. Just the thought I've heard going around. Love it. That's a cool thought. Love it. I mean, if Broadway and Off-Broadway can have two wild parties at the same time, Mm -hmm. we can have two Wizard of Oz's. Amen. Maybe they'll just be different styles, like kind of like what we're discovering with Return to Oz and MGM. We can respect the different styles, the different multiverses they kind of create. Mm -hmm. Okay, friends. Now take a look around your room and start constructing your gump because I would love to know what would be the proper (sighs) body? Like what would you ride in? Describe what that would be. Um, that couch is so ornate and gorgeous. Those two like Shea lounges that like come together <laughs> to form the Gump are amazing. So just take a look around. What other objects would you strap on for wings? I mean, we got to be practical. We don't have a lot of time. Okay. We're trying to get break out of our houses. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then what would be the Gump's head for you? <laughs> <laughs> I can start us off as you guys look around just because I've thought of this question. Yes. Yes. Off. Okay, so I'm in my parents' back porch, which is enclosed. We call it the Florida room. I don't know if that's like a the thing Florida my parents <laughs> created or if that's like what people in the 80s would call these kind of like vacation-esque home rooms that they would attach on. Mm. This was a very popular thing in the 80s to do was, would be to attach on an enclosed porch. Um and there's lighthouses everywhere because my mom definitely had a lighthouse phase. She's now in a butterfly phase. So there's butterflies everywhere um, as well. <laughs> and there's also some live plants, which is very cool. Okay, so that's I'm lucky. I have live plants that I can definitely use for wings. But what I'm thinking, here's what I'm thinking, friends. I have these wicker couches, these white wicker couches that I would string together um, to be the main body. So these old school wicker couches with lighthouse pillows. So definitely like beachy vibe on the inside, but very comfortable because we have lots of pillows. And then I would take some of the fan, the overhead fan. Um, <laughs> what do you call those? Like the the fan fan? <laughs> yeah. The fan fan? <laughs> like blades. the fan arms? Yeah, the blades. Blade. I would take Blade. some of the blades yeah. from my overhead fan with maybe some of these like, they're not, they're just like ginormous leaves. I'm not sure what kind of plants these are. They're just green with ginormous leaves. Oh, I take some of those leaves, construct that maybe into some wings And then I definitely would have like some of these lighthouses I'd have to incorporate too to like maybe be like a light because some of them do operate as a light so we can see in the dark because that's a big problem for our friends. And then with nighttime vision, um, there's binoculars over here. I would grab those as well. Now for (laughs) for the head, I think I would use, what would I use for the head? What can come to life? Um, I'm looking around. I'm like, oh, maybe I would use... 
There's like no stuffed animals or anything like that in here. I would use, can you use like an old photo of yourself? Because I see that. Yeah. Could that come to Do life? It. Like four, 14 year old Tara mm-hmm. would be the head of this in a Perfect. bathing suit, in a tankini, yes. if you will. A tankini? A tankini. Oh okay. So she would be the head of this. So she'd be like, oh my oh. gosh. She'd be so like angsty. Yeah. <laughs> not into it at all no like i didn't enjoy this picture being taken because i'm like don't look at me like i was so i'm in my tankini i'm in my tankini like don't look at me mom like i look (laughs) like that in the photo so that would be the head of my gump (laughs) i would pay money it'd be called the tankini the The tankini tankini. all right so that's that's mine who wants to share their gump creation i have this wonderful uh four poster bed that yes, I think is, you know, it's perfect. The uh, bed knobs and How Angela Lansbury. Vibe. Yes. <laughs> yes. Very. <laughs> um, I think I'd have to uh, put on a different shirt. I would make this the face because it's the only thing with eyes in here besides mm, me. Yes. So You're I would use my shirt. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, I don't know, it may have some mean things to say because it's Eveline inspired, <laughs> but okay. we'll see. Um, and then I have these vases over here that are sort of bird inspired so maybe if if they came to life they would be able to flap their wings and that would help yeah that's that's my best gump that i can do in here right now love it use what you got that's what our friends do make it work yeah make Make it it work work. okay mk are you taking the couch or your swing i know oh the swing i didn't even think of that you could totally take the swing Let's do the swing. I was going to do my little green couch here, but I have a, a swing chair in this room. That might be fun. And it's like cozy. Everyone can kind of cuddle together. And wow, that will be like very rocky. Ooh. I don't know. You might get a little seasick up there in the air. So I'll take the swing chair. That's um, what the bug says in Marvelous. He gets seasick. I'm seasick. <laughs> it's like, sir, you're in the air. For wings, I would do – I have like a feather boa. It's rainbow. I feel like that would be really aerodynamic. I also have a fake plant that has leaves that look kind of like what our friends use. So I've got extra wings. Um, For the head, I think it's Nenea, my American girl doll. And I feel feel bad. (laughs) I know she would not be into it. She would be like, my hair is going to get ruined. She has really beautiful hair. I don't let anyone touch her hair. Um, And I, she would wear my bike helmet. You know, just to like protect, protect the skull. Um, and there you go. That's my gump. <laughs> An American girl gump. American so girl have, gump. Like, we have Eveline, American girl, and Tankini. <laughs> and Tankini. Ta- taking us <laughs> into the night. <laughs> wow. All right, my friends. See you in our bullet point. Welcome back, listeners. Welcome back to our gump arrangement. (laughs) Uh, I'm very excited to hear everyone's bullet points to sum up this raucous, riotous, action-packed scene. Mm -hmm. Uh, Henry, would you like to kick us off? I would love to. Um, 
it was so exciting just rewatching this scene last night in preparation um, because this moment is the one that's featured in all of the promotional art for the yeah. film, you know, the, the friends writing the gump. And yeah. I think it, it really encapsulates that wonder and whimsy and magic that everyone has come to accept and expect from Oz, the books, the films, etc. Um, and sometimes the art features characters that aren't in that scene in the film, like the scarecrow and Tin Woodman and Lion, like, what are you guys yes. doing here? But, you know, <laughs> everyone is welcome Especially on the, the gump. <laughs> Especially the lion, you'd be pretty heavy, yes. my guy. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's just <laughs> it's such an uplifting part of the film. After we've gone through so much stress and darkness with the Wheelers and Mombi and you know Oz being deserted, it's it's yes. very soaring, literally. Um, yeah, and I, I think it's uh, it's a wonderful way to bring us into the second half of the film. Um, which also uh, comes back to the pacing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it really is the bridge. Um, And literally from Oz to the gnome kingdom, you know, we're bridging the Dudley desert. So yeah, it's, it's just, I think it's a really wonderful scene uh, all around. Oh, love that. I love how you, I love everything you just shared in presence and I can't help but hear in my head. We had a guest who is our first episode in Oz, our guest Michael Luongo, who when he was a kid he used to call it the Diffy Daffer. The Dudley mm-hmm. Desert was the Diffy Daffer, and I keep hearing Diffy that in Daffer. my head. I'm like the Diffy Daffer. The Diffy Daffer. <laughs> I can't help but hear that in my head. I'm Something like, Something Bomb would say, yeah. Yes. <laughs> the Diffy Daffer. It that also makes sounds it sound like, way less ominous. Right. And it sounds like like Donald Duck's cousin. Yeah. Diffy Daffer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for good. sure. The bridge Love between that, Donald Duck and Daffy Duck's family. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. So good. Okay. Should I hit us with the bullet point? Yes. Okay. I took a little something that you said, Henry. I said, Soren over not California, not yeah. around the world, but yes, Oz on a fantastic flight. Our friends have safely escaped the Emerald City via Gump Air, which definitely would fail all domestic aviation authorities inspections. But the newly alive mm-hmm. Gump flaps his flimsy palm wings on towards the Gnome King's Mountain at a tortoise speed as Dorothy tuckers out while cuddling a spent Belina. Mombi back in her palace strumming her mandolin in her PJ gown, taunting the girl in the mirror, whom she calls Ozma, first hearing of that name, I believe, and wickedly tells no one will remember who you are, as a gaggle of wheelers on the gump's heels on the ground accidentally fall victim to a sandy fate, deadly desert, (laughs) unable (laughs) to continue tracking our friends for now, as Jack protects Dorothy from the nighttime chill with his jacket, one of my favorite moments, and we witness the first rope break in the pitch dark, uh uh-oh, to flashing forward to the foggy morning, poor Dorothy waking up to complete chaos as the ropes are breaking TikTok holding on with the mechanical arm on one side and jack losing his head a theme of this movie as he tries to <laughs> grab the rope on the other 
the gump beginning a nosedive, or rather a swan dive, to rescue the pumpkin head to epic, though deceitful, hero music as Jack lets go of his rope, trying to help Dorothy back in, beginning the crash landing through the clouds, where luckily all our friends land on a snowy ridge in various states. Pick me up pick me up, but reorient themselves to realize they have made it to the Gnome King's desolate mountain, where the Gnome King's expert claymation spies report to the Gnome King, reporting Mm -hmm. no sign of the chicken. The Gnome King finally presenting himself, yes, queen, in the rocks with the same charmingly condescending tone as Dr. Worley as he asks Dorothy questions and laughs in her face, causing an avalanche which swallows our girl whole into the earth just like Dorothy and the wizard in Oz. I love that she gets swallowed yes, into the earth. I love it. Yes, queen. The gnome king is yes, queen. I just, <laughs> every time here. he speaks, I'm like, yes, queen. <laughs> love him. Always. Gotta Me love too. Him. He's a villain Excellent that work. I'm obsessed with. All right, um, oh, yeah. it to you. Oh, yeah. Bullet point number one. Of one. <laughs> of one. <laughs> one of one. <laughs> Twas the night before Christmas and all through the house. <laughs> this is giving me real Santa in his sleigh vibes, y'all. Except yes, the, stake, yes. the stakes are much higher and death awaits our friends at every turn. Wheelers, deadly deserts, breaking ropes. Oh, my. Dorothy just wants a nap. I get it, girl. And Jack disobeys <laughs> the cardinal command of one of my favorite songs from Six, Ugh. the musical, and loses his head. Yes. <laughs> yes. All land safely if not smoothly, outside the Gnome King's mountain, where his face appears on a rock and after a sassy exchange with Dorothy, starts laughing and coughing to force the rocks and ground to break apart, Dorothy falling into a pit underground, all screaming in confusion and despair. Yes! The end. The end. I mean, we end on a Don't pretty... Don't lose your head. Yes. We end. Sorry, not sorry. That's He's totally sorry, not sorry, the Gnome King. Yeah, he's like he's totally sorry. that one. Not sorry. He's totally yep. not sorry. Yep. Absolutely. We, we totally end on a very ominous note of Dorothy disappearing underneath the rocks. I know. <laughs> and then it just like cuts. It does just cut. It's, it's abrupt. Like, we're gonna leave yeah. you there. We're gonna leave you there. Okay. So this is what happens in our scene. Excellent. So friends, we were talking a little bit like initial reactions to the scene. I love that Henry you presents this is like an iconic scene because it's what they would promote the film with. Um, and I thought we should maybe take a moment to present anything we fell down rabbit holes with that takes us maybe away from the scene to give more context to it. I can start us off just with looking back at the marvelous land of Oz text and the imagery that John Arneal did for this scene. And just to presence who was on this original flight initially with the book that, yeah, that art is just so, so good. So who was on the original? Yeah, it's just so beautiful. I applaud this art when I see it. It's so good. But who was on that original flight was Tip, who we know to be Ozma. The Scarecrow and the Tin Woodman were totally on the original flight in the book. Jack Pumpkinhead and the Wogglebug. Don't forget the Wogglebug. There is no TikTok. Is the Sawhorse also on there too? I do believe, yes. Sawhorse, it's the Sawhorse is not in the image. I think he's tucked away. Or maybe he is. Nope, he totally is. I see him. We'll post this image alongside of the Feruza Balkan Company image, but we don't have TikTok. Um, no TikTok, because TikTok is more of an Ozma 
of Oz connection than this book. So this is our original flying gang up in the air. And this also why I like said the cowardly lion should never have been put into this gump is because he never ever is in the gump, not in the book (laughs) and not in the movie at all. But that, of course, like you were saying, like some of the promotional art put the cowardly lion in there. So that's our original flight, which was um, describe, like I love, I was reading some of the descriptions going back to the book seeing the woggle bug getting sick. Jack is so worried that his head's going to spoil in the air, but they don't have, of course, the same kind of journey that our friends have in this film. They're not going to the Gnome King's mountain. They're actually just trying to escape. They're trying to get to Glinda, but they can't see it's nighttime and they end up going over America (laughs) in the book, which is just so funny. They get so lost. And that is something that I noted that I said, it would not have taken the gump all night to get to somewhere we could see. Like that is something that I question because it <laughs> takes them all night to get to the Gnome King's Mountain. It's not that far away. Our friends in the book really go all over the place. They leave the mis- the mystical fairyland of Oz and come back to it and have a kind of safe crash landing as well in the Jackdaw nest. They're just trying to get the gump to ground. So it's a little bit different. Of course, different stakes, different um, motives and missions in the Marvelous Land book. But this is what this iconic gump flight is from, which we're just obsessed with the Gump flight. Um, so yeah, just presenting a little bit of Marvelous Land. Did anyone else return to the original text or images? Oh, always. I adore Neil's illustrations wholeheartedly. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I wanted to read through, you know, that scene in the book Please. before Please. watching Return to Oz just to see um, how it compared. And I'm sure you guys are fans of the, uh, Minneapolis Children Theater, Marvelous Land of Oz yes. production, mm-hmm. you know, which staged the Gump's flight, you yes. know, with the uh, original cast that flew in it. Uh, no Cowardly Lion, no Dorothy. <laughs> yes. Um, so th- those uh, Return to Oz, Marvelous Land of Oz, that theatrical version, th- that's sort of what I grew up with. So um, that understanding of the Gump's flight was really integral to my upbringing. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I have to wonder why it took them so long to get to the Gnome King's Mountain. You know, perhaps the Gump was just flying in circles. I don't know. Yeah, maybe he was lost. Slow flight. Just like we're moving at like, I don't know, an inch per minute. Like, I really don't know. It has to be that slow at this point. Because it took them all night to get there. Or I think we have to safely say circles, even though he says, I'm just flying straight. (laughs) So it is. Right. It is tricky. Does he know that he's flying straight? (laughs) don't know he could be flying in circles i think that's what we should go with he flies in circles until they eventually have this crash landing (laughs) yeah also something else to uh presence Mm -hmm. uh is glinda's absence from return to oz she is missing she is gone of course she shows up in the uh celebration scene at the end in the background yeah but um you know the original flight in Marvelous Land of Oz was our friends flying to go see Glinda. So I have to wonder, you know, what, what happened to her in return to Oz? You know, I assume she was turned to stone, but I I've always imagined this like epic battle between Glinda and the Gnome King um, going head at it before she's turned to stone because they had to get rid of her some way. Right. I wish there was a line to acknowledge what happened to Glinda in this multiverse in this universe of Oz. Yeah. Um, 
I really wish there was because it is like, why wouldn't Dorothy think like she's so smart in this film? Why wouldn't she think to like, yeah, we should go to Glinda? Like, why wouldn't that be on her mind? Like, yeah. they're literally literally flying into the eye of the storm right now. They're going to the villain as opposed to going to get help. <laughs> so I do think that's interesting that Glinda's completely dropped from this, which also brings another question I have for you both of, okay, they were supposed to do the army of the revolt. They were going to do, they were going to incorporate that whole ginger plot line somehow. I don't know exactly how it would have worked mm-hmm. into this film, which would have given Feruza Balk Dorothy an adult, like, like an, a good adult, right? Like good adults would have been on her side and like ginger is kind of complex, but she would have had someone that would be more on her side or like to in, be interacting with instead of these really like wicked um, manipulative adults like Amambi. So that's really interesting that they were going to do that. And that was one of the first things that was scrapped. How do we see that fitting in? Like I was thinking about that today. because I was like, I would have had to have happened somewhere around here. Oh, Henry, you're excited. <laughs> oh yeah. Ginger is one of my favorite characters in the entire Oz canon. Yeah, we love her. Like She's I great. adore this girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it's something I've too. always thought about such an arc because she shows up and she's you know presented completely as a villain but also with sort of good motives yeah a little bit maybe misguided misguided but Um, i understand and then she turns it around yeah i mean she's got mommy speaking in her ear so like you know not good advice but um (laughs) i have i've always wondered how ginger would have fit into this film um i imagine her as maybe uh, someone working at the hospital uh, akin to the little blonde girl that maybe is helpful um, shows up in Kansas as like backup a little bit. Um, maybe, maybe she's Dr. Worley's daughter. I don't know. She's, she's involved mm. somehow. Um, and then in Oz, you know, our classic sardonic, sarcastic ginger um, I, I feel like she would begrudgingly come along with Dorothy. Maybe uh, some of her generals and, and army has been turned to stone and she wants to free them or something like that. I don't know. Or she wants to fully take over Oz herself. You know, she wants to depose Mombi and I don't know. But, you know, she, she would have misguided motives. But yeah. Yeah. She's she maybe she's connected with the gnome king and then she turns against him and helps dorothy defeat him maybe i don't know yeah it i think it could have worked it could have worked she would have been very complex she could have fit i think that's what it was and maybe that's why they cut her because she would have been maybe like on the gnome king side in this version and then maybe turning on the gnome king Mm -hmm. but she somehow avoids being turned to stone so she would have been like i almost see like the tin in the tin man um, with Zoe Deschanel, like the munchkins are kind of these, like they're, they're escaping the rule of this like horrifying Emerald city. I kind of see her maybe like with that kind mm-hmm. of spirit, like, um, like a vigilante of sorts, maybe too, like hiding somehow avoiding like all of the awful things that have happened to Oz, the gnome, the gnome King stone marble statues. Well, actually, I guess that's, do we think the marble statues were caused by Mombi or the gnome King? I feel like Mombi did that because that's we know she can turn people to statues, right? So it had to be her. True. I took it as Mombi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like she, the gnome. King I think is, it has to be Mombi. The gnome King can't do anything. I think really far away from where he is, like yet. Yeah. He doesn't have that power yet, yeah. so he needed Mombi to do his bidding. 
out there. But I think that's interesting. I will say this. I'm blanking, friends. But there was an interview I listened to with Walter Murch recently that blew my mind. I have some other things to share from this interview. I was like, what, 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 what? I didn't know this. I didn't know this. So I'll share some of the things. Like Dr. Worley is a real doctor that they researched. Did not know that. No way. Named after a real doctor at the time. I did not know that. And there's not much that I can find to dig. I'm I'm putting things into Google engines and just coming up short. Um, there's mm. lots of Dr. Worley's, everyone. Lots of Dr. Worley's. I'm, I'm sure. And there's Joanne I'm Worley, sure. who we love very much. Um, we love, we Joanne. love Joanne Worley. <laughs> Dr. Joanne Worley. But um, Joanne Worley. Something he did share in this interview that I listened to, and we will put this in the show notes. Okay, so on this episode, this interview with Walter Murch, he shares that he had like another, like I think an esteemed British actor male presenting as someone like a soldier of some kind that was supposed to be in the film. Like, I think as this like army of the revolt, whatever this like adult helpful adult was going to be. So that's interesting. Maybe the uh, soldier with the green whiskers, maybe the soldier with the green whiskers. So that's a little like, Oh, what? Like, cause it wasn't a female. So it's like, Oh, interesting. Interesting. So there's like a little something there. I don't think anything moved forward. I don't think anything was filmed. Nothing like that. It just was like an idea that they had. Okay. So like Dr. Worley being real. um, Also, he defends that electric healing was definitely happening in that turn of the century time. It just wasn't as known. It was definitely more experimental. So Walter Murch talks a little bit about it in a way that like this wasn't so improbable to present in Return to Oz, which is a little interesting. Like I would have to do deeper diving into that because we talked about on our second episode in the sanatorium that electric healing was not really a thing until the 1930s, that they were, you know, kind of borrowing some future history to put back into this. So I'm sure of that, but like Walter talks about it like that was contextually correct. So I'm curious about that. I also did not know um, that Ozma of Oz was the first book he ever read as a kid, like out loud, like to himself, which is so sweet. Mm-hmm. Like it's like, I'm like, well, Hop on Pop was mine, but like, I'm sure, surely, like he said, like chapter books, he was Ozma, mm-hmm. Ozma of Oz was his first, which is so cool. So that's definitely like, you could tell like this mm. book, just like this whole property just holds such a special place for Walter Merch. So I thought that was cool. Just wanted to presence those things. Em, do you have any thoughts on, like, Army of the Revolt? Like, what would you have wanted? Do you have any, like, daydreams about that? I never would have thought of that. I This is the first time I'm, like, imagining that. I I mean, I'm here for it because that would be fun. But I think it might, from, like, a film standpoint, be too many plots mm-hmm. happening. Like, I Agreed. could just picture it. Like, there's yeah. already so much happening <laughs> that, like, the stakes are already so high. I just feel like that would kind of deviate us unless it somehow tied in i don't know i could unless ginger is like gonna be a confidant to dorothy or like jolly lamb ask interesting or maybe it was jollya maybe that's who they were also thinking of including i love jollya jollya is my girl i love her too too. that'd be so cute and she does they could have someone close in dorothy's age yeah they could have thrown in the like hilarious translation moments from the marvelous land where she's the translator for people who do not need a translator that could have been fun <laughs> i will say yeah, this scene yeah, is one of my favorites in terms of humor i i think i laugh the most in this scene like genuinely 
Like this is a good like I think this is the lightest scene. Like you were saying, Henry, there's been so much like running away and so much really disturbing. <laughs> so much that is disturbing and mm-hmm. like just wolf, like nightmare fuel, as we have said. And now this is like definitely like the lightest scene that we have, even though there's a crash landing that's not great. Um, but it's yeah. still I think one of the funniest and lightest scenes that we've had yet. I have to presence because we were talking about favorite lines earlier. This is one of my favorite lines in the whole film. Feruza, she says, you're just a thing with the gum's head on it. (gasps) And her voice cracks. And it's just the cutest little, like, unintentional, adorable child thing that just melts my heart. And, like, the, the joy that comes through in her line reading, it just, it's palpable. And I, I think it's it's so wonderful to see Dorothy, like, having fun and being happy. And, you know, because much of the film, she is a mother figure and being very, you know, can-do and strong. And this is just her being a little kid, you know, for a, a moment. And... It, it brings me so much joy. She definitely <laughs> has. I love that's your favorite line. She definitely has like Wendy vibes in this film a lot. Like Peter Pan, mm. Wendy vibes, like that very mm. nurturing quality. And yes, like yeah. how she strings things together reminds us that she's still a little girl and she's a little girl in a leadership position. So she's like, okay, you're a thing. Like, I don't really know how else to define you. But that's the best that I can do <laughs> in this moment, which is so cute and great. <laughs> My favorite line will come up later. I can't wait. But it's a Feruza line. Yes. It's totally Feruza because her line readings in this are exquisite. <laughs> I love that Feruza, or that Dorothy gets to sleep in this scene. Yes. Going off of that, because he's always sort of taking care of other people and like running around leading the charge. And I mean, when she does sleep, things start falling apart. So that's something to pay attention to. (laughs) But it is, I love that. I know we haven't gotten there yet, but that moment when her and Belina are just cuddled up. It's like we get to see kind of a different side of Dorothy for a moment in this scene. And something that is very present in the books. Dorothy always passes out in a disaster. She, on her, in her little house, she falls asleep until she lands. (laughs) I get it. And I get in the it. chicken coop in Ozma, she falls asleep. She takes naps when she's always like, there's nothing that can be done. I need yeah. to rest. But I do think like if mm-hmm. we think in like a psychological way, this is going to make her not sleep well. Like after she finally takes a moment for herself and everything <laughs> goes wrong, she's going to be like, well, now I can't sleep because these fools can't keep it together. But um, yeah. I was like, that's probably going to affect her sleep moving forward. <laughs> She needs yeah. to stay. Well, awake. and it already was affecting her sleep in transit, right. you know, with her insomnia. This is so true. Like, she's finally the girl sleeping. just can't sleep. She's fine. That's also oh. true. We didn't even think yeah. about the stakes of this. Like she, she's back in Oz with her mm-hmm. friends. She finally yeah. goes to bed. Oh my gosh, I didn't even put that together. Of like, yes, she finally gets to rest here yeah. on this magical flight that I think any kid would love to be on these. They look, they're just divine. Like they're straight off of like white star line Titanic, like first class, like those couches are gorge. (laughs) Just sleeping on those couches, cuddling with your pet chicken, having all these sweet little friends around you. It literally is like a fantasy film dream. Mm -hmm. It's like making me tear up. Yeah, I know. Like it's, it's such an epic moment. (laughs) MK, if you play the slippers on me right now, Tear? I hate to say it. 
but I'm going to play the slippers on you right now. No, MK, but I was just four yellow bricks away from winning. Sorry, girl. That's how it goes in the land of Oz. Y'all, though I am totally losing, Em and I love to play Home from Oz, a two to four player card game released in 2019 that all ages can truly enjoy. There are not many games that allow both adults and kids to play together, nor everyone actually having a chance at winning. But Home from Oz does just that. Inspired by L. Frank Baum's classic tale, your deck is full of characters and magical objects you already know and love. The goal is simple. Collect enough brick cards and play the charm slippers before the other players and you win. However, actually achieving the goal is a little more difficult. Other players will try to set you back using menace cards that steal, skip, slow, and stop, like MK just did to me. The wizard and tornado make cards change hands, so just when you get confident, you may lose everything. As you make your way home by following the yellow brick road as I am right now, you will encounter both friends and enemies. Beware of the winged monkeys or the fighting trees that will try to keep you from reaching home. Gain protection from obstacles by befriending the cowardly lion, tin woodman, and scarecrow. The wicked witch will try to stall your progress, but just as your friend Dorothy realized in her own journey through Oz, a simple bucket of water will get you back on your way. What will happen when you encounter the wizard or pass through the poppies? Well, you'll have to play to find out. The original card game is available now at homefromoz.com. That's homefromoz.com with an expansion set coming out soon. Ah, Tara, as I'm on the verge of victory, I can confidently say there's no game like home. Get out. I found a blog spot. It's miahana.blogspot.com. It's run by someone named Kevin Kidney. Okay. Who I don't think we've met. <laughs> hey, Kevin. And it's this whole article from 2013 okay. all about the gump. Oh, and it has the these object. really, really cool photos of it. Looks like a parking lot. <laughs> and it's just the gump, like being assembled. And, like, measuring his antlers, close-ups of his eyes, measuring his mouth. It's really, really cute. I'll link it in the show notes. Um, but there was just a little bit more detail in how, that, how the Gump was actually operated. Um, so Kevin says, A team of puppeteers were required to coordinate the Gump's moves through a system of long cables. Uh, I believe the gump in these photos to be a second version, which was radio controlled for shots where the cables mm. needed to be out of sight. Packaged so in the crate alongside the gump was a Futaba model airplane radio transmitter with toggle switches for controlling his movements. Rechargeable batteries went into both the transmitter and inside the gump's head. The gump's horns were hollow cast resin. There's just very interesting photos of like this the foam rubber that was fit over his uh, teeth. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll link this because it's just really cool. And then at the end, uh, he says, only one rare example of Oz merchandise, a hand puppet, has ever been produced that attempted to solve the age-old mystery of the Gump's body. I'm not convinced. <laughs> I love that. It's just like this little puppet. Oh, the Gump is so cute. I want that puppet. 
I want that pot. I know. Oh I know. Goes for so much on eBay. Oh God, I'm sure. Is that made with the film? Oh, oh yeah. I'm sure that was like a film. Um, a yeah, film it was. It was a promotion with um, Smuckers, and they have awesome. the Gump, the Scarecrow, and TikTok as little hand oh. puppets. So but they're all like four hundred, five hundred dollars. It's ridiculous. Wow. Of course they are. My friend uh, Andrew has them all, and I'm so jealous. <laughs> Did he have them from ki- from childhood? Oh no, I think he collected them in recently uh, recent years. Wow! Wow! Yeah. Wow! Wow! So cool. The Gump is a technical marvel, like just puppetry. I know it's amazing. It's Truly, utmost like fantastic. And convincing. Convincing. So convincing. I'm convinced mm-hmm. that it's an actual animal. I'm convinced pretty much of all of them, to be honest. Like, I really have no – I really Absolutely. don't catch anything that just takes me out of the world. Like, they're even just when they're standing with the Gnome King, um, the movement that is happening. Like, there's, like, TikTok kind of adjusts and how Jack adjusts. Even yeah. in these very still moments, so believable. Yeah. Belina, when she, like, has her little exasperate exasperated moment before she <laughs> puts her head down next to Dorothy because she's just like Ugh, like so over this strip um is so funny like how they maneuver her little pecking head and like have her slow down it's <laughs> so well done where I'm like whoa yeah. each of these moments had to take hours and hours and hours I think to like you know map out yeah, and make happen, so much time which is so cool the gump is a feat I think and what is possible so mm-hmm. freaking cool um, Absolutely. Uh, well, I, I just wanted to presence uh, Jim Henson. You know, the Jim Henson Company did such beautiful work on this film that I would say every one of their technical shots still holds up today. Like, just practical effects, so beautiful, better than CGI, in my opinion. It just brings you into the world. And like you mentioned, the the like idling when they're just standing there and like subtly moving their arms or Belina, you know, blinking, it yeah, just it brings you into the world. You know, it's it's perfection, I have to say. Agreed. Mm. Agreed. This was not mm-hmm. officially Jim Henson, but it's all the people who worked for Jim Henson, which yeah. is so clearly seen in this world. And like always a shout out to Lyle. Yeah. Good old Lyle, our voice of the gump. Lyle. And also like head of all of the amazing creatures that we see in this film, Lyle Conway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get it. Now I didn't deep dive with Nicole Williamson. I'm saving him for myself since we haven't really yet met him, but is there anything that anyone <laughs> wants to share about Nicole Williamson? He's, I love his performance in this thus far. I think he, I heard he was like kind of like an interesting character to work with on this film. Hmm. There's like some stories about him being like, I think like, hmm. you know, just coming in with maybe a little bit of like, I need this, I need this, which is, you know, he's an older actor. I get it. Um, <laughs> You know, he's been around. But anything on Nicole that anyone wants to present? He's also like British royalty. Not literally, but like... He's been around. I'm sure we'll get into his career later. But yeah, it's like he's a stage actor. And it it kind of, the more I research him, the more I'm like, oh, it's actually surprising that he's in this film. I don't know. It just seems a little... Yeah. I wouldn't expect him to be in this. Not first choice from what... I have heard and Lorette, like there's the rumors of like wanting Tim Got Curry, it. wanting to have Christopher Lloyd, Tim Curry. Yeah. So not, Ugh. I don't know if he was like in the first choice pile. Maybe he was um, casting for this is still kind of mysterious. It's yeah. just basically like little nuggets we can go off of. There's no clips online to watch of like audition tapes. I bet they exist. Yeah. I bet they're out there. That would be so cool to see <laughs> the testing 
Oh, yeah, the test, the screen test. Disney keeps everything. They keep everything. I got to be there. They didn't they didn't take this away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. No. It's hard for me to imagine anyone other than Nicole as yeah, the like Gnome him. King. Same. Like maybe just because I grew up with him and adore this film, but his line readings and just the way that he inhabits the role is, you know, you really do feel his uh, British theater film royalty coming out. You know, I, I think he, you know, just lets it become what it is. Um, and he's a champ for putting on all of the, you know, clay makeup and et cetera that they oh, do as so he's turning much. human. Yes. Um, I mean, beautifully done. Of course he starts out as the stop motion claymation, but you know, it, it, just his voice, you know, in this scene where he's introduced, there's so much character to it. It's, mm-hmm. it's brilliant. Oh yeah. He like pisses me off in this first scene. Cause he's like, so he's like <laughs> being kind in a way, but it's like so smug. Yeah. It's a smug and like biting, which it, like, I'm like, Oh, he makes, he like makes my blood boil. But um, yeah, he's like, yeah. he's yeah. like a top pantomime actor of British stage too. And you could totally feel that in his performance and also like he kind of had to go through what the original uh three men of the mgm film had to go through with makeup like this was a pretty torturous makeup process he had to go through (laughs) to get into this i mean he did not have to dance down on the yellow brick road at all so he had an easier (laughs) life on set i'm sure it wasn't as like heat uh like the heat heat induced it wasn't probably as bad as our friends but he definitely had the same laborious um process to get to get into character, which is always interesting. I've never had to play a character where I'm like on a makeup chair for hours. That's like, I, I wonder what that's like, because there's so much that mm. you're not defining of your character that like something that is being put on you is defining of your character, which is always so interesting. And then you kind of adjust, I guess, to that. But I agree. I can't yeah. imagine anyone else as him. I really hear his voice. I hear, hear his voice in my head. Yeah, I'm good with Nicole Williamson. I'd be down for some Tim Curry. I would be so interested to see. Like, I I would love, like, you know how you can watch, like, the Godfather audition tapes? Like, I would love to see, like, I love watching Robert De Niro do all the, like, do all the roles he was called in for originally. I would love to see Tim Curry, like, give us a take, a little taste of what he would have done. That would be very, very fun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel like Tim Curry would be excellent as Calico, Calico. Um, the Gnome Ooh. King's like sort of henchman yes, yeah. in the books, you know, I maybe not Gnome King proper, but like a conniving, like wants to usurp the Gnome King, you know, in the background pulling strings sort of character. A little more mischievous. I feel like the two yes. of them, that would be a really cool pair. Um, Agreed. Yes. But just a thought. He would have been, if he That'd was in this movie, he would have been in so many iconic, like, this would just add to his, like, iconic list of, like, Ugh. childhood movies of I mine. Love him. Like, I loved Clue. Mm-hmm. I loved him in Home Alone, too. <laughs> so good. So good in so Home Alone, too. I loved him in Annie. Like, there's just so much. Because mm-hmm. he's, he's the perfect one. He is the perfect With Feruza. We have to watch it. We have to watch, watch Worst Witch. We have to watch yeah. that. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to part one of this episode. Please stay tuned for part two dropping this Wednesday.
you so much for listening to Down the Yellow Brick Pod. If you are feeling fresh with your fingertips, scroll on over to Apple Podcasts and now Spotify to leave us a glowing rate and review. It's a big help. Each person who leaves us an Apple review will be entered to win our end of the season Oz giveaway, including a gift basket of Aussie book goodies that trust me, you aren't going to want to miss. All previous reviews will also be considered in our entries. We see you. Further fun and ways to support us can be found at our Etsy swag shop from Good Witch Trouble merch to our new Fab Four of Oz icon collection with a big shout out to our graphic designer, Maddie Frank. Find us also on Patreon and Instagram via Down the Yellow Brick Pod, as well as on Venmo at Down the YBP. We always appreciate a tip to you. Let's escape to Oz soon, okay? Okay, Auntie Anne.